Well, this morning, we are going to finish up uh, Luke chapter 21. And, um, you know, Luke 21, Mark chapter 13, uh, Matthew chapter 24 are probably the most controversial passages of Scripture in the gospel. Because uh, when people attempt to interpret uh, these chapters, uh, they are... They are in um, diamet well, not diametrically opposed. They all agree that Jesus is returning, but the details in Jesus's return is uh, very different uh, from each other. And uh, you know, as I come to this text, I shared this last week that uh, my my goal, my desire, is to just explain this as uh, simply. And clearly as as possible, uh, not read more into the text than what's there, and uh, just understand Jesus's words. And it's my prayer that as I do this, I don't come across dogmatically. I don't I don't confess to have all the answers, but my desires approach this with great humility. But Jesus has some important words for the church. He wants us to be prepared uh, for his second coming. And um, uh, as I mentioned last week, this is a difficult text to interpret. Because when Jesus shares about uh, end time events... He's communicating in telescopic language. He's talking both both about near-term prophecy and end-time apocalyptic events. And it doesn't go in chronological order. And that's, this is typical of prophecy. If you read the prophets of the Old Testament, when they convey what God is going to do... Um, it's not in chronological order. They, they are talking about short-term events and long-term events. And Jesus is in that same vein this morning. And uh, I didn't look at the outline this morning, but uh, I, you'll see that uh, I've kind of given you a comparison of the, of the verses and where the verses in uh, chapter 21, verses 5 through 36, uh, where they lay. And uh, some of them are in both categories, and others are in either prophecy or apocalyptic, end-time events. So I just want you to, to be aware of that. But when Jesus talks about um, things that are going to happen uh, with the destruction of Jerusalem, uh, those events, those cataclysmic events for that area, for Jerusalem, mirror what God is going to do around the entire earth at the end times. Okay, so what we see, what took place in Jerusalem in AD 70 is going to be similar to what happens around the world. And we'll get to that uh, in a a little bit. But last week we left that off as to why Jerusalem was destroyed. And uh, you have to go back to Luke chapter 19. And Jesus was weeping over Jerusalem because Jerusalem had missed the um, the visitation of their Messiah. 
They had rejected the Messiah. And because of that, Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. They were going to suffer the consequences. And so this morning, um, last week I dealt with the easy part, uh, the, the history of the prophecy and the fact that Jerusalem was destroyed. This morning, I'm going to deal with uh, what's to happen at the end of time uh, just before Jesus' return. All right? So if you have your Bibles, Luke 21, beginning with verse 25. And Jesus says, There will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth, distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. I mean, this is going to be, there are going to be astronomical events, events in the heavens that are going to be uh, cataclysmic as well of, as what's happening on the earth. Verse 26, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of heavens of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out and leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Verse 34, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to play, take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Last week, we looked at some things that Jesus uh, wanted us to know, that Luke wanted us to know uh, in ver- through verse 24. And uh, again, we're going to stay on that same theme and look at some things that Jesus wants us to know today. What does he want us to know about Jesus's return. Well, the first would say, he would say, we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared for his coming. And in preparing for his coming, we don't have to be prepared about all the details. We don't need to be conscientious of all the details and, and be being prepared for Jesus' return, we need to be prepared and know the heart of God. Know his character, know his nature, and we need to be focused on the truth of the word. 
and who, uh, who the Messiah really is. Because Jesus says in verse 8 that uh, there are going to be lots of people who come in my name. And, and following Jesus' ascension, um, after his resurrection, uh, we know that uh, there were lots of false teachers that came in Jesus' name. You can write down 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. John was saying, we know that we live in the end times because there are many false teachers. But there is going to be a teacher of teachers, a phony, who's going to convince the multitude that he is the Messiah. And Jesus said, don't cave in. Listen, when I return, we're going to look at this more in a little bit. When I return, the whole world is going to know immediately that it's me. So don't be swayed by all these false teachers. We need to know the truth. And we need to know what the word of God says. We need to know the heart of God. And realize that when everything's crumbling around us, God still holds it together. He still has a plan. Don't, and we'll get there, don't be discouraged, but be prepared for his coming. And as he conveys these things, it's clear that things are going to get a whole lot worse. And Jesus doesn't want us to be surprised by that. He doesn't sugarcoat discipleship. Following Jesus is costly. And we see places around the world today, we read stories every day of Christians who are being sacrificed for their faith. That's, that's so foreign to us. And this, we live in a time that the Bible doesn't describe. Bible says, if you're going to follow me, you've got to carry your Christ cross. And we've got it pretty easy in the United States of America. But as we look at prophecy, apocalyptic literature, it's not going to be easy forever. The events that we, we read about here and elsewhere are going to play, take place all around the earth. All right. So Jesus says, be prepared. But in that preparation, know that uh, when these apocalyptic events occur, uh, they're going to happen quickly. It's not going to be a, a long time of, of God's wrath being poured out on the, the earth. It's going to be rapid fire. When you hear about the bowls in the book of Revelation, these bowls, these judgments, these plagues are rapid. They're one right after another. How quick are they going to occur? Well, Jesus gives us the parable of the fig tree. Okay? The parable of the fig tree in verse 29, he says this. He told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf... You see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. I've done a lot of sermon preparation uh, for this passage of scripture. And I've listened to a lot of sermons. 
uh, I've listened to a lot of what John MacArthur has to say about Luke chapter 21. And I don't agree with everything that John MacArthur says, but one thing I do agree with is how people have misinterpreted this passage of Scripture. Um, Hal Lindsey, very uh, famous, popular author. He wrote The Late Great Planet Earth, has uh, communicated that uh, when the nation of Israel became uh, a state in 1948, that this fig tree parable uh, went into effect. And he was saying that um, that generation, when, when Israel came together as, an, as a nation, and it was a miracle church, They hadn't been a nation for 2,000 years. Jerusalem had been destroyed. They had been dispersed. And in 1948, uh, God did something miraculous. I agree. And uh, I agree that Israel is in end-time prophecy. And and the judgments that are going to come on the earth are are coming primarily on, on, on Israel to get their attention. And Jesus isn't going to return until Israel says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So Israel has returned politically, but they haven't returned spiritually. And that's what the end times are for. But Hal Lindsey was saying that 1948, was that's when the prophetic clock was set. And Jesus is going to return within that generation. And John Mark Arthur says, and if you still fall in that camp, you need to get rid of that thought. Because a generation lasts 40 years. Now, some people will think that a generation lasts more for 40, maybe 100 years. I don't know. So we could still be in that time frame. But what Jesus is saying in this passage of Scripture is that when these cataclysmic events begin to take place in verses 25 through 27 that the return of Christ is very soon. He's, he's talking about a season here and, and, um, in verse 29. He says, look at the fig tree and, and all the trees. I'm glad Jesus said all the trees. All the trees isn't mentioned in Mark chapter 13 or Matthew chapter 24. But Jesus is talking about a season here. And when springtime comes, it's only going to be a matter of months uh, before Jesus' return. But in those matter of months, all hell is breaking loose. And Jesus is saying, the time is going to be short. I'm looking at my notes, making sure I'm not missing anything here. So I think, but, and I just want to mention this, that again, the events that are occurring are not just in one location. It's not just in the Middle East. It's not just in Israel. Yes, some terrible things are going to be taking place in Israel. But what we're seeing cataclysmically is all around the earth. Look at verse um, 35. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. 
not just Judea. And we see some pretty horrific things taking place today in isolated places. I believe these are just mirrors of what's going to take place all around the world. I know that doesn't sound very exciting. And uh, probably not going to build a church on those kinds of words. But this is what Jesus is conveying to us. So be prepared, Jesus says. The time will be short, all right? Not only does he want us to be prepared, but he doesn't want us to get discouraged. Look at verse 34. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. I don't know about you, but when things don't go my way now, it's real easy to get discouraged. Or I can be, you know, my my to-do list can be this long. And I'm focused on those things. And I'm working hard on those things. And when life doesn't go according to those things, I get discouraged. I get defeated. And I imagine I'm not alone in this room. Jesus is conveying to his disciples. Jesus is conveying to the church. You know, you think it might be difficult now? It's going to get a whole lot worse. And when it does get worse, you need to have a faith. You need to have a theology, a foundation that's going to survive tribulation. God's word is true. And he wants you to be prepared. Again, we go back to last week's message. Jesus was telling his disciples, some of you will be put to death, but not a hair on your head is going to perish. He's not talking about a physical protection. He's talking about a spiritual protection. To live as Christ, but to die as gain. If they take your life, they can't destroy your soul. You enter the very presence of God. How do I know? Why am I convinced that the church is going to go through the tribulation. I take you to Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. Revelation 3.10 is a very popular verse uh, for those who believe in the rapture of the church before tribulation. John says this in verse 10. He says, because you have kept my word, he's talking to the church at Philadelphia. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell 
on the earth. And um, this is the last time that John uses the word church, ecclesia, in the book of Revelation. The church isn't mentioned in chapters 4 through through 20, 21, 22. Um, and, and people are convinced that those who are to go through tribulation uh, are those who don't know God, who are going to experience the wrath of God, and that as Christians, we don't experience the wrath of God. And I agree wholeheartedly. We as Christians going through the tribulation are going to avoid the wrath of God. We might experience the wrath of Satan when we don't uh, obey what society is wanting believers to do at that time. There are going to be great consequences by, by not following everyone else. And we're going to experience the wrath of Satan, but we will not experience the wrath of God. And why do I believe that? Well, I go back to the book of Exodus. We're all familiar with um, Israel and Egypt and the 10 plagues that came upon the nation of Egypt. As you read that Exodus story, the plagues never um, touched the nation of Israel. As you read through the book of Revelation, um, there is a lot of, of Exodus language in the book of Exodus. Um, plagues, the, the trumpets, the bowls, uh, all these judgments that come upon the earth, they're characterized by plagues. If you read, as you read the book, you won't find all 10 plagues in the book of Revelation, but you will find seven of the 10 plagues. Church, I believe with all my heart that as, as um, the church is going through the tribulation, just, just like God protected Israel and Egypt from the plagues, God is going to protect the church. Now, that doesn't mean that we might live. We might have to die for our faith. But again, Jesus says, not a hair on your head is going to perish. Is the church mentioned in chapters 4 through 19? No. When When John talks about the church... In chapters 1 through 4, and he's, he mentions the church on several occasions, he's talking about, he's talking to local churches. But I believe the church is mentioned in chapters 4 through 19 because he talks about uh, the persecution of the saints. Uh, he talks about uh, uh, souls in heaven. And these are words that describe the universal church. He's not. He's he's no longer talking about a local church in those tribulation chapters. He's talking about the universal church, and he uses different language. He's not using the word ecclesia. He's talking about the saints and the souls, the believers who do the will of God. 
But in going through those events, rest assured, don't get discouraged. God is protecting his church. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 4 through 9. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Just like Jesus' words in verse 34. For those who sleep, sleep at night. and Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Those, the, these things are going to happen, Jesus is telling his disciples. He says, be prepared. Once it happens, it's going to happen quickly. Don't get discouraged. God's going to protect you. And going back in Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, the fact that that the church is going to be protected, John, the author John, uses that same language in Jesus' priestly prayer in John chapter 17, verse 15, when Jesus prayed, prayed for his disciples. He said, he prayed to the father, don't take them out, but keep them from the evil one. That's the protection that I see as I read through the book of revelation. Second Thessalonians chapter one, verses five through nine says, um, God promises rest. Rest will come but after much suffering, not before. And then Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 24, verse 29, um, Jesus says, immediately after the tribulation, Jesus is going to come back for his elect. And who is his elect? His elect is the church comprised of Jews and Gentiles. We are one. God has chosen us both. He's coming back for his elect. And so finally, in closing this message this morning, um, Jesus says, be in prayer and remain alert. Verse 36 Go back there and read that one more time. He says, stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. I don't know when those events are going to occur, but when they do, Jesus is conveying to his church, be prepared. Don't get discouraged. Be in prayer and remain alert. 
Why do I believe these words are for the church? Because Jesus was teaching these words, conveying these words to his church. Jesus was answering the apostles' questions. Uh, the first question was that they wanted to know when, uh, when this temple was going to be torn down like Jesus prophesied. Jesus gave him the answer. But he went beyond that answer and talked about end times. Jesus was talking to the foundation of the church. It wasn't meant for somebody else, in my humble opinion. It wasn't meant for another group. It was meant for the leadership of the church. Because Jesus continues to talk to that same audience in Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. These are words for the church. That's the first thing. Another reason why I see the church going through the great tribulation, because the seventh trumpet that's talked about in Revelation follows tribulation and is directly linked to the resurrection. You have some passages of scripture there. Matthew chapter 24, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Revelation chapter 11. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I encourage you to read and study those verses. We don't see a secret coming and and, uh, a final coming. When Jesus returns, everybody's going to know because a trumpet is going to sound and he will have the world's attention. And then number three, Believers are encouraged to look forward to the re- Jesus' return following the great tribulation. The elect will be gathered. I know that that's not a popular message. As I was preparing, and I don't have any way of, um, of verifying these statistics, but... Uh, It was mentioned by one communicator that 75% of the American church believes in a pre-tribulation rapture. I'm not in the 75%. I'm in the 25%. I believe Jesus' words are clear. He wants us to be prepared. But church, I'm willing to change my theology on the way up. If I'm wrong, I will admit it on the way up, okay? I know there's a difference of opinion. We have several opinions in the life of our church. The Bible says that we need to love one another. The one thing that we can all agree on is Jesus is coming back. He is coming back, friends. All hell may break loose, but your faith doesn't have to. How do we prepare ourselves? We need to get alone with him every single day. We need to know his character. We need to know his heart. Even though things aren't going my way or your way, they're going God's way. And he wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. Man, how I want to walk by sight. That's not Christianity. So I encourage you to know for yourself what the Bible says. 
I have approached chapter 19 and chapter 21 with fear and trembling for the last two years. I knew I was eventually going to have to get to this text. And it's my responsibility to teach the whole counsel of God. But this is one part of the Bible I have a hard time getting my mind wrapped around. But God has given me a peace about what Jesus says. And even though it may disagree with others here in this room, guess what? We can still walk hand in hand and arm in arm because it's our responsibility to help fulfill the Great Commission. So let me encourage you, don't get discouraged. He's always on his throne. Let's pray. My friend, are you sure of your salvation? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? then you don't have to be afraid of this future. You don't have to be afraid of man or what they might do to your body. They can't destroy your soul. God's got that in his hand. And nothing, Romans chapter 8, can separate you from the love of God, not even death. But my friend, if you don't have that personal relationship, I, I just want to encourage you to settle that account today. We're going we're gonna to sing a song of worship right now. You need to talk to somebody about knowing Jesus personally. We have people in the dining hall who would love to tell you more. I want to encourage you to avail yourself of that time. Maybe you're here this morning and hell isn't breaking loose all around the world, but it's it's breaking loose in your world. Jesus says, be a person of prayer. Be alert. Be ready. And maybe you need to pray with somebody this morning about what you're going through. We'd love to pray with you. Father, I thank you for the word of God, the timeliness. And uh, Lord, you see things, you know things that we don't know right now. And we want to get caught up in the details and things of that nature. But Jesus, you said, Acts chapter 1, that's none of our business. You want us to just be prepared and be ready for your return. Thank you that you're coming back. That God, you are our our hope, our only hope. That this exodus, this gathering of the saints of your elect, this is going to be the exodus of exoduses. The year of jubilee that's going to last for all eternity. I thank you, Lord, for your promises that you've written out in your word. Help us to know them. Help us to hold on to them and to believe them. 
with faith rather than sight. We love you. Thank you for this time of worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.